Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys Podcast. Justin Goddard alongside Cameron Klein as he sits comfortably in the FGP studios up in the hub, up in the good old town of Newtown, Pennsylvania, Bucks County. And here I am in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at Penn State Harrisburg's campus. Cameron, it's been a little bit, but how are you doing on this warm Thursday afternoon? The warm weather's finally here. I'm good, dude. It's uh, I don't like that it's warm and muggy. Humid. Ah, yeah. It's thick out there, dude. It's thick. I'm not a fan <laughs> of that, but it's cool. Uh, is I it like thick? It. I like... Is it thick with a CK or three Cs? That's the question. With a CK, it's not sexy. Ah, it's yeah. not sexy yeah, no, at no all. No Yeah, so... Uh, you know that's that sucks, but uh, I'm good, dude. Uh, Phillies disappointing so far. That's Worst team in baseball. It's the reason why we didn't do a show last week because we thought like, here we go, and you're listening to two assholes who were talking about how fun this season's going to be up until about the fifth inning, and then we stopped texting. I love I love when that happens. <laughs> when- so, things are going well. You and I are texting steady stream of texts flying through between the two of us, and then things go wrong. <laughs> we don't talk for three to four days. So what I really liked was when things fell apart, I did send one more text to me. I'm like, well, this is no longer good. And you just said, now I'm really fucking bored. <laughs> like Once like yeah. they had put up their ninth run in the inning. Well, dude, yeah, it's been yeah a- like there was that part where there was something with the pitching count thing. And like there was a whole oh, like, yeah. trying to figure something out. And you were like, well, this isn't fun at all. I was like, yeah, I'm really bored. And then, yeah, then they hit nine runs in the fifth inning. And I was like, now I'm it was really nice. bored. We had four innings to enjoy. And now the rest of the baseball season has to commence. But, and, dude, um, it was going. It was going. And then Nola fell apart because Nola – you know what? Oh. Aaron, you know, he's got a new name. He's no longer Aaron Nola. He's now Aaron No Mula because he's not getting paid from the Phillies this year. <laughs> Screw him. Get him the hell out of here. I'm done with him. I'm tired of, no, like, think- he goes through four innings, and he looks great. He looks like Cy Young out there. Then he comes yep. back, and he turns into, like, the Giants version of Barry Zito. Can't go more than an <laughs> inning without shitting himself. So, I'm done. I'm just so sick of it. There it is. But, I'm glad it's taken one you know, week into the Philly season for you to be angry, Justin, again. That's cool. I mean, I didn't expect to be happy. I certainly, <laughs> I, I never had the expectation of being happy. But you know who else is done? John Tortorella. He's done. He's like, you know what? Get me off the bench. Put me up in the press box. I, I don't want to coach anymore. Don't get me wrong. Once I understood the reasoning of it, I liked it. I, I like because again, he's trying to he's trying to build something for the future, a type of culture to live off of. And he did this because of his assistant coaches. He says, I don't think that they can see the game at its full speed and be able to judge it correctly if from all the way up in the stands. So I'm going to go up there. They're going to come down here. There's nothing else I can see from this team from down here that I haven't seen all season. Allow them to see it so we can all be on the same page of what the hell needs to be done and move on from there. Give them that experience to be able to see what's going on, which I really, really think is cool. However, the meme of it where I, I the mean, literal captain of the ship was just has like, abandoned it. See it. <laughs> My this mateys t- will figure it out, dude. My, well, you know, what's whatever. funny is that it kind of overshadows that the Flyers were playing their best hockey about a couple weeks ago. They had a you know the five point game streak, um, or the five game point streak, and you know they were playing again, not like blowing teams out, not beating the best of the best, but like you know we're playing some pretty darn good hockey. Yeah, um, you know, but they get they came back down to reality once again they're not good enough we get it they can't beat the sabers they can't beat the penguins um they lost to the ottawa senators in overtime at one point uh Giroux got a goal on that one good for him but still still a point per game player 35 years old is drew is claude Giroux a hall of famer oh, man that's going to that conversation is going to get harder and harder when he passes 1000 points for his career but i mean he, he definitely is a flyers hall of famer although um, some people in this fan base will still argue 
with you. I know. I mean, listen, Drew, like, when I look at, like, the best flyers of all time, at the at the bottom of, like, the barrel, I look at, like, Eric Lindros. Like, eh, that's the worst great flyer of all time, in my opinion. And then yeah, sure. the best the, <laughs> the best One flyer. One of only two players to get a hard trophy in this, in this organization. But anyway, go on. Yeah, you know, it's that's – okay, cool. Stat padding. Love it. So then you have, like, in my opinion, either Bobby Clark or Bernie Perrant that are the the best great players yeah. of all time in Flyers history. There's the Giroux, yeah. Giroux, I really do think, belongs in that top five to seven area. I, I genuinely mm-hmm. believe that. He belongs in that echelon. I mean, the Legion of Doom would have won the Stanley Cup if you take out Lindros and you put in Giroux. That's obvious to me. But I also think there's something to be said about his NHL legacy – which if he continues to produce at what he's doing with Ottawa, and if Ottawa's able to put together at least one decent playoff run, that can make Giroux's legacy look a lot better in the grand scope of things for the NHL and maybe gives him a favorable nod towards the Hall of Fame. It would, yeah. Like, dude, if he if he gets a cup, it's a guarantee. Like, I would love him. It's like when Kimo Timon got a cup with the Blackhawks in 2015. Like, it's it would yeah. it'd be great. Like He's played well enough throughout his entire career that that's kind of the one thing that he's missing at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, I would agree. it's just the hardware to go along with it. And and we, we already know that he should have won the Hart Trophy in 2018. We've discussed that plenty of times here. It is what it is. But, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, he just needs the hardware. If he gets that hardware, he's he's in in for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to breeze past the Lindros comment because I know you don't like him, and that's fine. <laughs> I know he's a piece um, of glass. I don't like Eric Lindros. That's fine. He's still one he's of also the a jerk. <laughs> well, yeah, also that's a true jerk. Too. He's also one of the still one of the top best you know players in Flyers history and as up there for points. But you know, also yeah, Carson Wentz by statistics is one of the greatest Eagles quarterbacks of all time. Just stop. <laughs> this I mean, isn't, we're yeah. not com- we're not doing this. We're not comparing Carson Wentz's legacy to Eric Lindros's legacy. That's ridiculous. You're right. Lindros uh, Wentz has a Super Bowl ring. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Um, also, what's happening around sports, the Philadelphia 76ers are getting closer and closer to the playoffs. That's when basketball fans who don't really care about basketball but like the Sixers, they're really starting to get more involved. Here's my question to you. How are they going to do it? How are they going to screw and beat out of MVP? Yeah. How are they going to do it? They're going to find a way. Well, if you look at Jokic's, like, Vorp, Raptor 36, and, like, G-string count, like, his, like, it's really good right now. (laughs) Like... His like his thong count is unbelievable, and unfortunately for Embiid, he just doesn't have because he's married now. I don't I don't think the fat Serbian is married. I don't think he is. He might be. I don't think he is. No one would marry him. So with Embiid though, I think he actually might have made the best case possible. The Sixers beat the Boston Celtics the other night. One of the rare times they're able to do so, and Embiid didn't just put up numbers. He put up a 50-burger on the Boston Celtics, a team that is known for defense, known for one slowing him down. He was hitting daggers in Al Horford's face, which just, for me, that just meant something a little extra because I hate Al Horford. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I, but, him and his sister. Jesus. His sister's worse. Al it's is at least quiet enough where, like, I can at least look. Like, I hate Al because it didn't work out here. I hate his sister because she just won't shut up. Yeah, like Al, Al taking the money that they offered him. You know, that's yeah, not that's his fine. Fault they offered him a no. ridiculous amount of money for being a backup center, which is <laughs> that's Helton Brand, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm not going to be angry at him for it. Like you said, wish it worked out, but it didn't. But his sister, just for some reason, just Philadelphia is just rent free in her brain. She just constantly uh, feels the need to talk about Philadelphia. 
she probably was on Twitter a lot during his year in Philadelphia. I think that has a lot to do with it. But well, she, she uh, was. She was. The Sixers are officially locked into the three, and I believe I don't think it's official yet. But they're either going to play the Nets or the Miami Heat in round one. Now the road to the finals for the Sixers. If they play the Heat, they would likely have to then play the Celtics next. That's tough. Heat and then Celtics. Those are two very good teams. Uh, if they get the Nets, that's like not saying it's a bye week. But that is not the Nets that once had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That is a Nets team that employs Ben Simmons, um, who takes up a spot on the very, very end of the bench at this point. Would much rather get the Nets, even with a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who Tom here over knows. Spencer Dinwiddie will go off for about 50 points a game in the series against the Sixers, because that's just what he does to us. Um, I think that this team, I do think this is their best chance to win a title. With Joel Embiid, yeah. uh, Tyrese Maxey's putting up great numbers again. James Harden's really settled into his role, being like a twenty points per game kind of guy, and get you know he leads the league in assists per game. But this is—I didn't think it could get better than last year. This is the best we've ever seen out of Joel Embiid. It's not just dominant; he is the best player in basketball at this point. I don't know how you could even disagree with that. No, I, I know, dude. And that's, it's like one of those things of—I'm uh, trying to remember exactly what what player it was that I referred to in this way. I mean, Giroux is actually a good one. I wasn't thinking of him, but he's a good one where it's like you're waiting for him to fall off. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, not happening. Like, for Embiid, like, he's younger, right? But at the same time, like, it's it's the fact that he's as big of a dude as he is and he's doing and moving the way that he's moving given his size. It's a recipe for injuries, right? Like, it's, an, it's a recipe for wear and tear. Just a short career, essentially. But for the past three years, four years, he's been the MVP, like without being the MVP. But it's just like, again, I, I, I thought last you said I thought last year was like, well, there was his chance. It is what it is. He's still going to be the guy, but you know, but I no, mean, dude, he just won't go away. He won't. I mean, I was I was amazed. He had the he had the eleven game streak where he had at least thirty points in each game. Uh, and even after that went away, he was still getting like 25, 26, 27 points. This one against the Celtics was huge because I thought for their own sanity, they needed to find a way to beat the Celtics. And I know that Jalen Brown wasn't playing, but it was also a game where P.J. Tucker finally delivered for the Sixers, who has been awful offensively yeah. for the Sixers, and they signed him to $33 million. So it was nice of him to live up to the contract for a game. Um, and... <laughs> James Harden had a good game as well. Maxi was doing things. But this Sixers team, they've got a long – the Eastern Conference is a freaking mammoth of a conference. It's its not like the West. The West has two really good teams, the Nuggets and the Warriors. And the only reason yeah. I bring up the Warriors is because they still have Steph Curry. But uh, going forward, hopefully Philly can ride some momentum, get into the playoffs, win their series. Hopefully they play the Nets and then get ready for – a freaking slug fest with the Boston Celtics. I just I, I can't say enough how I'm just not looking forward to them playing the Celtics. It's just not going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be it's it's going to it would be an aggravating series if it comes to that because it's a team that you don't like. It's a team that's very very good. Um, I don't need Bill Simmons. I just don't yeah. need Bill Simmons going off about the Celtics if they beat the Sixers. I just it's one thing I can do do without. Well, yeah, um, that's, that's that would absolutely yeah. happen. Uh, and the other, the other salt in the wound of the, Bristol, the the Boston Celtics is the is the fucking Jason Tatum. Obviously, you always 
Like, dude, it's it's the guy we you, you could have had, who was just ridiculously good. What's Markel Fultz up to these days? He's he's got some good numbers over the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's, it's I mean, ridiculous. Dude, he's, he's at least playing. You know, like he's a, he's he does something. He brings something, which I'm happy for him for that. I guess, right? But the shit, Sixers have developed. The Sixers have had like superstars in their history, like Dr. J, Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson, Will Chamberlain. But all those guys kind of like fell into their lap and everything because they yeah. happen to have the yeah. good fortune of like the first pick. Right. Um, the only player the Sixers have been able to develop, in my opinion, is Tyrese Maxey. He's the only guy that's actually developed. Markel Fultz was, like, dying in Philadelphia, goes to Orlando, and becomes, like, 15 points a game. Jason Tatum, I don't know what his career would have become in Philadelphia, but, I, I mean, I don't know. The guy, like, he's he's just, he's a great player. Like, he's the, I, he's, I think, he's a future, Hall, uh, not Hall of Famer, uh, MVP at least. He's definitely a future MVP, I think, in the NBA. No, and I think, I think, give him a ring or two, he'll be a Hall of Famer too, man. It's ridiculous what that kid does. And if he were in Philadelphia, I think his career would be pretty much exactly the same. He looks to me like the type of person where he has the mental resilience that anywhere he could have gone, he might not be as good yeah, as he is but now. Ben Simmons but has better be defense. A player. Ben Simmons has better defense. I'll take Simmons. <laughs> yeah, he does. I can't yeah, even I say you can't even say that about Simmons anymore. He just he's not no, even good on defense anymore. He no, sucks. You can't. you can't. That's why I'm like I'm surprised the Nets are still even. Like in the playoff, it's it's be, like, I they just have enough drop off the face of the earth. They have enough depth. They have like guys like Nick Clack or not Claxton. Uh, actually, no, yeah, Nick Claxton, are and they have um, Spencer Dinwiddie. As I said, there's a few yeah. other of their guys that they have, and I'm sure they got some guys over from Dallas that are pretty good players. Speaking of the Mavericks, ever since they made that trade for Kyrie Irving, they're seven and fifteen, and uh, I just have to say, like as as we're celebrating Passover right now, it's like in the Jewish culture. It's just great to see like noted Jewish enthusiast Kyrie Irving doing so well with the Dallas Mavericks. I love it. You know, the team has fallen out of a playoff spot, so good for Kyrie. I'm just I'm just happy for him. Like that's just just great to see. Do you think like when <laughs> Do you think like when people like hit a three in his face or like hi him like every time just to, like fuck with him? Because <laughs> that would be me, dude. Listen, every, every there was a kid from Yeshiva. There was a kid from <laughs> Yeshiva named Ryan Terrell. Who was so freaking good in D three? He did get drafted. He's in the. I think I'm sure he's in the G League right now. But oh, I would, I would pay so much money for him to get into a game with I don't know which which organizations. I don't know if it's like Minnesota or whoever to just bury a three, take off his yarmulke, and just toss it in Kyrie's face. <laughs> That's all I want to see. If I never I could watch an NBA game after that, I would take uh. it. The Ryan Terrell could average like 60, 50, and fifty a game with uh with Yeshiva. So he was like the most insane D three player. Um, but Dude, no, uh, I, yeah. I uh, if I hit a three in Kyrie's face, I would probably just say Shalom. <laughs> you know, I I just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. If it's a keep Friday, maybe I'll say Shabbat Shalom, like that kind of thing. Right. right. Um, but <laughs> I mean that and as well the the Kel Kevin Durant thing in Phoenix. He's been injured, hasn't been playing much, but he's getting better. He's getting right, and a lot of people still think that the Suns are the favorite in the West because of his presence. Dude, I, I think if want, he's ready to go in the playoffs, he'll turn it on. I like, want he, to believe in dudes. the Suns. I really want to believe in the Suns, but like Chris Paul, you know, he seems to have like a hex over his head. Like he seems Dude, to struggle. Right? It's it's um, it's really kind of tragic how his career's turned out. And yeah. I just I like that son DeAndre Ayton, great center. They mm-hmm. have Devin Booker, yes. who s- still looks like he's ten. But then you have Chris Paul, who's like thirty eight years old and still putting up great numbers as a point guard. Um, I mean, 
not like Kendrick Butler numbers, but like, you know, respectable in their own right. And then you have uh, obviously Kevin Durant, who is, I don't know, one of the top three offensive players that we've ever seen play basketball, at least in our generation. Yeah. I can't. Uh, and then we have the Clippers, who are officially locked in as the fifth seed in the West. They have Ka- Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Paul George is another guy that's a great regular season player. And then the playoffs come around and doesn't really do enough to push the whether it was the Pacers or the Oklahoma City Thunder or now the Clippers over the edge. Kawhi Leonard, though, he's a champion. Yeah, Had to witness that very, very firsthand that he's a champion. So they're, I think, a very real threat in the West. And then there's the Lakers. I mean, if LeBron's healthy, I mean, they always have a chance with LeBron. Uh, they don't have Russell Westbrook anymore, which stinks, because you really need a guy that shoots 15% from three. Like, that's that's just numbers you can't pass up. So that stinks for them. Oh, dude, I, I hate I, I hate I Russell more. Westbrook so much. I don't I don't hate him, uh, but I he's he's just I just didn't like it. He's just old. You know, whenever oh, he would fight with dude. Embiid, he'd get knocked down by Embiid, and then he'd like slowly get up, and then he'd wait till his bo- he had, you know he had the backing of his boys and everything, and then he would like pretend to like storm after Embiid, but he'd only take like a step like really aggressively, and then he'd be like, "Well, who's, yeah. is anyone going to stop me? Is anyone going to like hold me back?" Yeah, well, that's so. basketball. That's basketball half the time. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, I flop on the ground, pretend like I'm hurt, and then I'm going to pop up and try to fake fight you or whatever. You know, but here's the thing. I'm not defending Russell West, but like, the reason why I like him is the reason why a lot of people don't like him, which is that he's just he's, he's kind of a douchebag. <laughs> that's oh, that's well, why I like him. I mean, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, I like, I get uh, it. That's why I liked Richard Sherman. You know what I mean? Because he was just in people's faces all the time, that kind of shit. Just an asshole. Chad Johnson. Loved him. One of my favorite players of all time. Definitely. I mean, just like fake proposed to a cheerleader. Terrell Owens. Dude, tuck, who, what kind of person tucks a marker into the goalpost? Because they know they're going to score on that end zone and they're going to sign the ball afterward. Was it Was it the goalpost or I mean, was it his sock? Didn't he take – I thought he took – it was his sock. Yeah, he took a, the marker out of his sock. One of them did a goalpost. Yeah, you're thinking of Joe Horn who put a phone in the goalpost and then years later Michael – Mike Tom – or – yeah, Michael Thomas for the Saints. He that then is, did the same thing to like pay like tribute to Joe Horn. Of, yeah, that is what I'm um, of. But no, listen, there's yeah. nothing wrong with, you know, a-holes or D-bags like in professional sports. My ask is that you're good. That's all I want you to be. Like Maybe he was good. He was not, not in 2017. Now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's washed up. He's he's yeah, he's he's old. He is. Like um speaking of washed up, uh I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we had this clear. I saw – I got tricked on Twitter, Cameron, if you can believe this. I got fooled, bamboozled, speckledorfed, whatever you want to call it. Um, I saw a report from Barry that he had oh, was impersonating – I think it was Barry. Someone was impersonating Adam Schefter saying that Tom Brady was signing with the Miami Dolphins. I had an entire paragraph ready to send to you, just like, can you believe this? Then I decided – I was like, let me just look at the at real quick. And I was like, yep, I got fooled hard. On that, I got fooled yeah, hard on that. It's not happening. I, like that at that point, this that rumor is like a meme. Like I think it was obviously with the whole Brian Flores thing, the whole lawsuit. It, obviously, they were or Ross was trying to bring him in. You know, it didn't work out because they got caught and yada yada yada. Long story short, um, but I think now at this point, like when the rumors popped up again for this off season, at this point, it's just a meme. Like they're just I mean, saying it just to get a rise out of people. They signed to it; it was fifth year option. They believe in Tua. I'm a little bit nervous about that. 
Um, but it, this is, you know, I really have to say it's, it's amazing more. when you tell me like you're nervous about two and I understand why you're nervous. It's like, it's the, obviously the injury bug thing, but yeah. when, he, when healthy, he was performing at an elite level for a quarterback in the same way that Jalen Hurts was performing. Only, the only difference is that Hurts played 14 of the 17 games or 15 of the 17 games and Tua played in, what did he play, like an 11, maybe less? That sounds about right. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. So if you get a healthy Tua, thank you, Candace. <gasps> Wait. Oh, I love it. I didn't realize it was lemonade at first. I thought it was water. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was water. Um, if you look at the numbers, like, just from his healthy games, Tua is by far, whether you want to attribute it to Tyreek Hill and, like, the receiving core he now has, he was playing and could be a top-10 quarterback this year in the NFL. He could be. Yeah. Yeah. I, but like you said, I'm, I'm worried about the injury bug, not just because, mm-hmm. like, I'm a Dolphins fan, but also because I'm worried about him. I don't want him to constantly put himself at risk over and over and over again. And God knows what kind of health, uh, what terrible health effects that it could, it could have on him. And God so like, knows you know. what kind of God knows what kind of replay angles they'll show on uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, eighteen times. Yeah, who knows? Just keep showing it. Never I, I get what you're saying. Like you know, you want him to be healthy. You want him to live a normal life, or at least as normal as a football player can live, because their body, with or without the head trauma, is going to take a fierce beating. Yeah, but. From a purely football perspective, if you can stipulate to health not being a critical, like a, like a critical failure, um, I think the Dolphins are in phenomenal shape. Defensively, they look strong. Again, like they they still look good. Offensively, they're only going to get better, especially with the draft coming up. I like this Dolphins team a lot. I, I I think so. I mean, I I would imagine. I don't know what you view as your biggest needs for the draft, but. I'd imagine it's going to be a lot of depth plugging for the Dolphins. That was one thing they did not have last year. It's one thing they need to have this year. Well, it's the thing. They only have three picks. That's about like you can only three picks do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Eagles have like ten picks. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, because dude, they they traded one of their first round picks. Couple they obviously traded a couple picks away for the Tyree Kill thing. They traded a couple yep. picks away for Bradley Chubb. Um, they lost a pick due to the whole tampering thing with Tom Brady, who he wasn't punished. I mean, he was just as guilty, but he wasn't put. Nothing happened to him, so whatever. Anyway. Don't talk about my goat like that. Right. That's that's what Roger Goodell said. So you know, it's fine. But I'm not gonna. I'm not here to gripe about that. Um, but no, dude. I, I my biggest need. I still want some more secondary help. Um, mm-hmm. But no, you're right, dude. Like they're they're in better shape than they were last year, and they were in pretty good shape last year too. But I do want more depth. I would they like were. more depth. They were eight and three at one point. This is the same team that, with a third string quarterback, checks notes something called a Skylar Thompson, was one play away from beating the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs and moving on to play. I guess they would have played the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's it's definitely within reach for them. Um, I think that uh, I think ultimately it's just going to come down to health for Tua. And also, if they have enough depth, can the depth survive, like, you know, some injuries, you know, that are going to force some guys to miss games here and there? Yeah. I will say this, switching gears to the Eagles, I felt really bad the first few weeks of free agency and everything because obviously T.J. Edwards gone, Kaiser White gone, Javon Hargrave gone, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson gone. Um, But looking at the team right now, knowing how many draft picks they have, knowing – one like you know they their offense is still intact. I this team probably is going to be like ten and seven, eleven and six range. But if you get that guy to the playoffs, Jalen Hurts, 
that's not a team I think I want to play in the playoffs, home or away. No, it's funny because I feel the exact same way. Like I felt like with free agency, them not doing anything major, not anything big, and, and losing the guys they lost, which we knew was going to happen because we, we, we saw how many unrestricted free agents were on the docket for that team. We knew they were going to lose a, a solid chunk of them. Yep. Is what it is. When a team goes to Super Bowl, everyone's going to get paid. It just is what it is. So we knew that was going to happen, but I feel the exact same way. Where like in the in the last week or two since looking at that team, I'm like, yeah. I mean, is it does it have as much depth as it did last year? No, it doesn't. But it's still a formidable team. And, and you still have the opinion, draft. Yeah, you do, which is very, very looking good for the Eagles. Looking, looking. Two first round picks. Ridiculous. Bold prediction: They will not make both of those first round picks. They're gonna trade one of them. That's what, that's what we keep hearing, and that makes sense with Howie, right? That's what he does. He trades. Howie He's lives his life on trading the for the deal. next year. He loves yeah. to trade for. And, and some someone was saying, the uh, the safety from the Titans. Um, oh, what's his name? I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, um, it Byard, right? Yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's Byard. So he wants out of uh, Kevin Tennessee. Byard. Kevin Byard. Yeah. Pro Bowl safety for the Titans. Could Howie Roseman make a AJ Brown type trade for Kevin Byard? And you know, obviously the Eagles have been pretty. You know, they were pretty good at swindling the Titans last year. I no reason to think they couldn't do it this year. But I do think that if they're not going to make any big trades, if they were to make, um, you know, both picks, which again would surprise me, I'd prefer if they just stick to the script of what they normally do. How he likes to build in the trenches. There's this guy named Jalen Carter, which has a chance at falling to number ten. If he does, don't take B. John Robinson. I don't want a freaking running back, especially from Texas, because as we all know, Texas running backs never work out. Dolphins can attest to that, as we all know. But I would much rather take the in, the intimidating interior lineman, and then you can fill out from the rest there. Running back is not a big deal to me. It's just not. We have Rashad Penny, who will be healthy for three games at most. <laughs> no, dude. I, in terms of of running back, I'm the same way, dude. I, I just it's not it's not a position you invest in. There's no point to it. And I feel bad for for like the running backs of the world because like they deserve to get paid. If anybody deserves to get paid, it's them. They have one of the hardest jobs there. You get the ball and you're just slamming into grown men. That's what you're doing. You're trying to run as fast as you can. Get slammed by somebody who is running as fast as they can, who weighs 300 pounds. And then you're getting back up, right? Which sucks. But if I'm an owner of a team or a GM of a team, I, dude, just look at look at it as an investment. Look, look at the return rate of running backs throughout history. We have not a great like, run, not a great return rate. I'm not going to pay you a lot of money because I'm not going to get a lot of that back. The age of the feature back is going away. The Adrian Petersons, the LaShawn McCoys, the Ricky yes. Williams of the world, like you know, that stuff's going away. Really, the last time a team's identity was built into their running back were the Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch. You have not seen anything remotely close to that since. And I know that with the Seahawks, Derek it was more Henry than Lynch. a little bit. Derek that's Henry, true. okay, that's bit. true. That is true. And they did make but an AFC title one. game. He's the only that's one. That's fair. That's it. Um, right. I was gonna also say when you say like like investing in a running back, I just always go back to Mike Ditka trading the entirety of the Saints draft for. Ricky Williams. Every, there for every a year. pick they had. He played there how for like that, a year. <laughs> how that trade did not turn the Washington Redskins into a dynasty, I will never know. It just makes it's no sense. Uh, <laughs> it's Dan Snyder. Yeah. So, with, uh, with honestly, sports in a bit, like, we're waiting for the Phillies to kind of, like, catch back up and, you know, become good again. 
which hopefully will happen soon. Um, football is in anyway. like in its qu- football's in its quiet period, you know, between that and the draft. The Flyers season is coming to a merciful wind down, thankfully. Um, and then the which Sixers is nice. are. Because like it's it's starting you're starting to see the hopes of next year you're starting to see mm-hmm. things they can build off of which is mm-hmm. it's a weird comforting place to be after a long terrible season it's kind of nice not just a long terrible season but you have to think about as well the last you know year or two where this team had high hopes coming into the year and then things kind of fall falling apart this year it was not the same you didn't have those same high hopes. You just kind of thought, okay, well, let's see what we can build here. And now we're kind of starting seeing, like, you know, after the, this big thunderstorm's come by, you know, the sun's starting to come back out just a little bit. We're seeing some guys, like you said, yeah. here and there. Reminds me a lot of 06, 07 at the end of that season. We had guys like Marty Biron playing a bit more. You saw a bit more of Mike Richards. You saw a bit more of Jeff Carter. Um, so hopefully that can be a similar yes. path that the Flyers are on. Um, this is – this upco- I've said it in the last episode. This upcoming offseason for the Flyers is the most important offseason in franchise history, bar none. They don't have to go. They don't have to go from a terrible team to like a 55-win team like the Boston Bruins. I'm not saying that, but in terms of if they're ever going to get it right, they need to get this offseason right. They need to get the right depth pieces. They need to get the right draft picks in house. If it's not Connor Bedard, that's fine. You can still get good players in the draft. So. This this offseason is a critical one for this team. It's critical for John Tortorella and for the Flyers faithful. I think it's critical for their own belief that they will ever see winning hockey in Philadelphia again. I think that was extremely well put. Very articulate. <laughs> it was. It see, was I can be articulate, guys. <laughs> and that was that was, but that was true too. I would I I completely agree with you. I mean, what would what would your ideal offseason be? You don't have to name names. You don't have to name like specific players. No, like. I, so I think what I would like to do is there's a couple defensemen I'd like to see them ship out just because it's, it's time for a change in that regard. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can, you know, think in your head who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see some like top top six, top four guys, you know, whether it be maybe, well, listen, maybe Cam York can establish himself over the offseason. But bringing in like a top six defenseman, just like someone that can anchor the third line, maybe even bump his way up to the second line. Um a couple veterans on the depth on offense, like, you know, third and fourth line guys that can just, I want glue pieces. You're not going to get another off season where it's like Johnny hockey is on the market or something like that. And you have a chance to throw $80 million, but this team doesn't have any glue guys, in my opinion, outside of maybe Travis Konechny. Um Now Chuck Fletcher would tell you that a healthy Sean Couturier is like the best free agency that the Flyers could have, which is bull spit. That's not true. Sean Couturier <laughs> has missed two years of hockey. There's no guarantee that Sean Couturier is going to be the same player ever again from what he once was. That's Probably true. won't be. So if you need a guy, you need guys that are on the team that have been to the championship. They've been to the playoffs. They know what it takes to grind throughout a season. Because the likelihood that the Flyers are going to go from this season to top three in the Metro is slim to none. But yeah. if they make the right changes, if they bring in those forward guys, those depth guys to play offense and can score at least a decent enough rate, if they can improve the defense and improve the this, you know the things going on in front of Carter Hart, could they make a wild card? Could they be a team on the rise? Yes, they 100% could. Will they get smacked by Boston or, or Carolina in the first round? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not going to be about next year. It's going to be about years three and four under John Tortorella as to whether this team can truly make the leap from – Horrible to mediocre to 
maybe slightly flirting with the idea of being a contender in the Eastern Conference. Dude, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, that seemed like a very, very good job interview if you were trying to be hired by John Tortorella. Well, unfortunately, I just took a new job, so I can't apply for anything that he might have opening up. But, John, if you happen to hear this, uh, <laughs> my, um, you know, I, I live out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, my name's Justin Goodhart. References include Tom Klimek and Seth Goodyear. So if you want to go ahead and give them a call, let them know that uh, I am uh, formidable at any position. Um, I, 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 I'm a really good public address announcer, so if anything ever happens you know, to, to Lou, I mean, you know, just give me a call. Yeah, Coatsy's retiring. You know, Coatsy's retiring. Exactly. Steve Coates. I will never forget Coatsy's corner. I will never forget never dude, watching that best. during the first intermission. It was the best, man. It really was. But no, <laughs> dude, like you, you, uh, I, I feel the same exact way as you do, uh, which, you know, surprising given that it's the imagine us agreeing on that. Right. Who would have thought? But, you know, like I, you're you're seeing exactly what they seem to have their game plan to be. At least John Tortorella does. Uh, it's a realistic game plan. That's what I it want. Is. It if, seems to be kind of like the only viable, not the only viable option, but it seems like there there is a recipe for teams that have gotten out of a mess like this. And it is basically exactly what you just said, which is you establish a culture with what you have. You fill in the pieces, but you're not quite ready for that superstar. And we have to we have to hold our hands up because we got to say, you and I have both said, go after Johnny Hockey. What the hell are you doing, Chuck? John Turbo was a big guy I mean, of, like, we're not ready for that yet. And what did and the Blue Jackets do this season? One of the worst teams in hockey. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it happens. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just aren't good enough to compete with the big dogs, even when you have a bona fide superstar in play. Um, yeah. And I think that's, and I think I, that's where we were last year, and that's still where we are now. Yep. So, a bit of a shorter episode, but for the Fly Guys podcast... My name is Justin Goodhart. This has been Cameron Klein. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GoodhartJustin, at CameronKlein15, and, of course, our podcast at FlyGuysPod. Cameron, let me just firstly say this. Um, I know that this team in the Phillies has been bad, but the home opener is tomorrow. Cincinnati Reds are in town. And uh, what a great way to turn the season around them by crushing – the guys from Cincy and getting the home getting the home crowd off to a great start. New big scoreboard. If you're going to the game, enjoy yourself. That would be cool. That would be <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, I think, mean, you can, you I, can I comment on it. <laughs> Philly's like the, the toughest place to play. I, I think I think they'll win. Why not? Right? They better. Sure. They better or else they all they give me their game checks. We'll see you next time, everyone. <laughs>